It's the Underpowered Hour. On this week's show, a deep dive into our trip to the Dunsfold Collection. Ike complains about Land Rover wheels. We do a tip-top tool tip. And Ike reviews Nando's. And now, here's the show. Welcome to the Underpowered Hour. I'm Stephen Barris, mild-mannered television executive by day and Land Rover collector by night. You can find out more about my cars and what we're working on at thebarriscollection.com or check us out on Instagram at thebarriscollection. I'm joined, as always, by my good friend, Ike Goss. Thank you to everyone joining us today. I'm the rattly red lever to Stephen's terrain response dial. I'm the noisy transfer case of podcasting. Ike Goss. I own and operate Pangolin 4x4 in Springfield, Oregon, where we live and breathe Land Rovers. Check us out online on Facebook, Instagram, at Pangolin 4x4. Let's get started. All right, Ike. So this week in the news, uh, some interesting news about, uh, I'm sure you're, uh, as the president of the uh, North American Ineos Grenadier Club, you would know that uh, the, uh, the Ineos company, uh, has uh, reported a couple of interesting things. First, they're, they are going to make a, like a hydrogen, an alternative-fueled um, version of the Grenadier, but also that they have lost a, a pretty significant amount of money. You know, it's not cheap to develop a new car, and uh, this is well, being proved positive. Let's let's be fair. You know, the uh, Ineos Grenadier is based on a Land Rover product. Yes. So they thought, look... We're going to do this right, and we're going to lose a lot of money on this. Yeah. No, no, I'm teasing. I'm it teasing. It is the but... most accurate uh, <laughs> tribute uh, to the Defender. Uh, yeah, that's great. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. But uh, uh, really, you know, anytime you have a new product, especially with a, a new company, yeah. and you're trying to bring a new product to market, there's going to be a massive amount of investment, and that is going to be reflected in a loss until you start to have a product. And yeah. that hasn't happened yet i mean they have prototypes you know you're seeing lots of uh information lots of videos online about these cars obviously they haven't really been here in the states uh, for anyone to look at yeah but... there's been a yeah that one kind of driving around a little bit but hard to see and uh yeah they're not they're, it's funny because i think the united states is a pretty big planned market for them i think they'll only have the one they won't have the diesel engine here i don't believe but they'll have the i think they're engine. sticking with that uh, brookstone derived dash you know yeah oh for sure yeah the the world band radio uh, dash is uh <laughs> yeah no that's key that's key landing a cessna or just trying to figure out how to get npr on your grenadier same process same process that's true that's true so uh i think uh until that happens i think you're going to continue to see losses mount for them but uh uh, it it seems very likely they're going to start selling these cars and we met uh one of the fellows working on that when we were at the camel event there was a fellow there that uh that worked for Ineos. Former and- Camel competitor and now uh, Ineos uh, employee. Uh, I think he was a competitor. He worked on the event at some point anyways. and uh, Not sure on that, but... Uh, uh, I don't know. I, I might I, be making that up, but... Uh, I think you're making that up. But it's, uh, yeah, it's really, it's 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 an interesting project, man. I mean, you know, it's uh, it's cool that they are, uh, they're doing something in that space when that space seems to be ever shrinking, but uh, there's a market, I'm sure, and the hydrogen thing's really cool. I think that uh, a giant tankish 
sort of militaristic kind of vehicle like that having uh, an alternate fuel source. And apparently they are going to get, Ineos is going because they're a chemical manufacturer by trade. It's actually a, f- a little known fact that the uh, Joker fell into a vat of Ineos chemicals to become to become the Joker. Did not um, know that. But yeah. uh, yeah, in every movie featuring Russian bad guys, I'm pretty sure they're driving an Ineos Grenadier. Yeah, that's exactly right. They work for Ineos every yeah. That's how that's that's the evil corporation in every Bond film has been. Or certainly it will be from here on forward. Did you know that the Grenadier, it's named after the pub where they came up with the idea to make the Grenadier? I just I just found that out the other day. I had no idea. I did I did know that. Yeah, I had no Surprised idea. Surprised you didn't know that. Yeah, I just it, it slipped by me. I mean, as the you know, as the president and founder of the Ineos Club, I would expect you to know that. But uh, you know what? I would not be a member of any club that would have me as a member. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. And that's uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So speaking of our uh, trip to uh, the the British Isles, um, we said last week that we would uh, do a little bit of a deep dive uh, into some of the other places that we uh, visited. And one, maybe one of the most uh, special Land Rover places that you can visit uh, in the United Kingdom is in a little town uh, called Dunsfold, which, of course, for those who uh, who know, uh, know that that is the home of, uh, of Phil Bashel and the Dunsfold Collection. True story. Yeah, uh, Phil is a wonderful person and has uh, moti- mostly devoted his life to the collection of uh, Land Rover special vehicles and history. And uh, his facility there in Dunsfold is, uh, is a pretty special place, and he's a pretty special guy. And we got the uh, the full tour. You oh, know, did so we ever? Speak. Yeah, we did yeah. get the full tour. We uh, had a beer with Phil, and uh, we took uh, yeah, we took Phil out for a proper Sunday roast, which uh, which Ike was uh, lukewarm on. Uh, he's not a giant fan of the Yorkshire pudding, but uh, but it was uh, it's, it's like a pinata uh, of bread. It's oh, not it's really so good, It's like a popover, <laughs> I guess, but it's like more delicious. It's so good. It's like a pinata with nothing inside. You're like, yeah, what's well, inside like of here? Little... And then you're like. No, nothing. You put kind of the roast stuff in it, you know, a little bit of gravy, maybe kind of a little bit of your little bit of your roast on there. Oh, it's so delicious! It's like when you buy a loaf of bread and there's just this huge air pocket in the middle of it, and you're just really disappointed. It's like every time you try to make a sandwich and you like spread it on the bread and it goes through the hole. There's just it's nothing horrible. in the bread. Well, it, it was also every chocolate croissant you tried to eat in the United Kingdom was simply oh, an yeah. empty an empty cavern of like uh, just a uh, skid mark of chocolate in there. It's terrible. They just have. <laughs> figure that out yeah i don't know why that is it is sort of Pan weird chocolate technology has not reached england despite the origin being mere hundreds of miles away i mean you could almost hit france with a with a chocolate <laughs> croissant from england so it's uh you know you uh yeah it's strange that uh, that they do that but yeah no we had a delicious roast lunch and uh, uh like i like i think we said in the in the recap episode a dude like pulled up to the to the pub on his tractor which oh, yeah. is pretty hard i want to be that road register i want to be the guy when i'm like no, like super, super old and just like give no shits and just drive my tractor just around the town. Like, what's that guy doing? He's going five miles an hour. He's like, he doesn't fucking care. He's so Isn't old. A, he I just drives his tractor to the pub. Macy Ferguson, Messy Ferguson, diesel, you know, from the yeah. 50s, maybe or 40s. Yeah, anyway, gorgeous. it was a it was a great tractor, blue and red. And uh, I think it had license plates. And what I love about England is they're like, OK, you can drive a tractor on the road, but you have to have turn signals. You got to have turn signals. You got to have turn signals. Yeah. I mean, that's. <laughs> That's what really makes it safe. You put turn signals on something in England, you can drive it on the road. It doesn't matter what it is. Yeah. 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 uh, They have some, uh, uh, you know, pretty uh, 
arcane towing laws. Like you can tow 7,000 pounds with an 80 inch, but uh, you can't tow 8,000 pounds with a brand new Dodge diesel pickup truck. (laughs) Yep. It doesn't matter. You could, you could literally be driving the biggest of pickup trucks. 7,000 is your your minimum, but you could tow that with a Skoda. Fine. No problem. No, no problem. problem. Yeah, no, no problem. problem. You put that yeah. tractor behind the Skoda, as long as it's less than 7,000 pounds, there's nothing wrong with it. We nothing were we were sitting there complaining at lunch, and we were like, oh, man, you know, they've they, their cars keep getting bigger over the successive years. They've gotten wider. They've gotten longer. They've gotten more powerful. But the, all their parking spaces and roads are still, like, really narrow. And, uh, like, three or four people around us are like, yeah, that's right. They are terrible. What were we thinking? <laughs> Like, why are we doing this? And there's just, I mean, there's nine meters of hedge on either side of, of the road. I mean, you could completely, at some, at some point, uh, someone disappeared completely into a hedge. We have no idea where she went. She just walked into the hedge and disappeared out into the countryside. It's amazing. A lot of hedges. A lot of hedges. You can't see anything uh, when you're driving by yeah, anywhere. Hedges. Hedges. Or oncoming traffic, for that matter. Just hedge. Hedged, hedged. Yeah. Much better. Much better to have some hedge. Anyways, so Phil, uh, behind speaking of hedges, behind some uh, magical hedges in uh, in uh, Dunsfold is the sort of main property. And of course, we can't. We've sworn to Phil that we would never disclose uh, where any of these vehicles are kept. Uh, little known secret, uh, if my life depended on it, I could not tell you where any of these uh, vehicles are kept because every shed in England looks exactly the same to me. So That's true. Well, also, he blindfolded us and drove us around in circles for That's two true. hours. That's true. Um, before each shed. And yeah, so it's true. we. It, it, was a, it was an investment of time, but I think it was worth it. I think it was too. The hood, the hoods that he has are a little chafy, but. Uh, you know, it was it was great. It was yeah, great. It was. I think they were recycled from genuine eighty-inch soft tops. So they were you know, the they're Hessian a little weathered. seat coverings. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So but, we uh, we saw some pretty amazing cars. You know, some of which uh, those of you that have visited the Dunsfold Open Days of old have yeah. probably seen before. Yeah. We saw. Let's see. We saw the first, uh, the the oldest Freelander, the newest Freelander, the Freelander prototype, the G four yes. Freelander, uh-huh. the Trek the freest, Freelander, the freest Freelander, I the believe. freest yeah. Freelander, the yeah. uh, four. Ford Maestro van-bodied prototype Freelander, which is actually a Freelander underneath. Yeah, yeah. let it let it be said that Phil loves a Freelander. I'll tell who, you that much. Who yeah. doesn't love a Freelander? That's true. Yeah, anyone who's owned a Freelander, but um, but they are. Uh, <laughs> I'll tell you what, the Freelander crowd they are a, they're a small group, but they're a passionate group. They're a passionate group. They're very passionate. Um, I I have I've not seen that many Freelanders. There was also a special paint edition Freelander. Yeah, it was like, it was like a was holographic like, paint. Yeah, it was Tupac Shakur's personal Freelander. Freelander. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. we amazing. we saw that vehicle. But in addition to the probably the world's most preeminent Freelander collection, yeah. there are a number of historic vehicles and prototypes of which I'm very fond. Uh, the 129 inch pickup, uh, yep. Phil has one of those. I'm yep. I'm very fond of that vehicle. There was a yep. a few made, and uh, I think two survived, possibly three survived. But uh, those vehicles are pretty awesome. They were yep. pretty advanced for their time. You know, some of them had turbo diesel engines back in the early 60s, and uh, they were kind of at that time when Land Rover was. We we did a little segment on them, but they were they were planned to mm-hmm. make like a a competitor to the. Uh, Dodge Power yeah, Wagon for power like wagon Middle Eastern kind of, yeah. oil exploration. It's really cool, really yeah. cool, super yeah. cool car. And then they had uh, the Australian Amphibious, mm-hmm. um, 
Land Rover mm-hmm. prototype military. Yeah, that one. thing is crazy. Which the, which Phil is going to take and and dunk into a lake at some point. He'd said. Uh, I asked him if he had swum it, and he said, "Not yet, but I will." In yeah. in sort of a why would you ask me that? Because I definitely <laughs> drive all my amphibious vehicles yes, in, in the, the water. water. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He did have an amphibious discovery as well. I think he, he had one of those. Yeah. Well, as as we know, uh, there's nothing the English like more than making Land Rovers into boats. That's true. one of their favorite pastimes. It's so. true. In fact, I don't know if you read this, but uh, they're they're planning to take one of those trophy edition defenders and and drive it across. Well, float it, drive it, you know, whatever across the Atlantic. Of course, they are. Yeah, they're making it into a boat. They uh, love making Land Rovers into boats. They like do. literally, it's like it, you know, it's like uh, you know, it's it's like the Yorkshire pudding. It is the most synonymous with uh, the English. I don't know what's more English. I think uh, I've I think I figured it out. They're mm. pushing the boundaries of c- corrosion technology. Oh, it's a it's a good point. The yeah. only way to corrode a Land Rover even faster is to simply submerge it in water. Yeah, that's the, the, really the new delivery scheme is that every Land Rover will actually be like motor across the ocean so that when it arrives you can have that classic land rover experience it's true and to be fair that's quicker these days than getting it unloaded from a container at any of the ports you know simply drive it up on the beach that solves a lot of problems yeah it does it gets around a lot of problems so we saw the amphibious australian military prototype really special car you know kind of on a one-ton chassis 916 tires really uh special bodywork foam impregnated very cool yeah very boaty very boaty looking yeah very very much a boat i'm sure it's a terrible boat and a terrible car which is why they never really made it in large numbers but it sure makes a cool vehicle to look at has these tiny little fold down doors you know it's it's pretty awesome pretty cool he had uh one of my favorites the uh 88 uh stage one the 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 88 v8 and they don't even really call it that. It never really even got like the V eighty eight. V eighty eight. Ooh, sweet. It's catchy. Yeah, it's catchy. It? Why they didn't build those? But uh, Phil restored both V eighty eights, and and we saw both of them. Yeah. Uh-huh. What a crazy visit! You see both eighty eight uh, inch V eight uh, uh, series threes. That's a pretty rare thing. Those are both in 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 a, you know immaculate shape. Uh, Phil, of course, has the real uh, one of the real Tomb Raider uh, defenders. Uh, he has a number. Number of different uh, interesting movie cars, a number of different interesting test vehicles. Lots of like Land Rover was doing this expedition, and they made three of these cars, and they were going to crush them. Or Land Rover was doing this interesting thing, and they, you know, they were going to get rid of it. And so Phil has it. So really, really amazing kind of preservation of Land Rover history. Some really odd ducks in there, and then some super famous uh, expedition cars. Um, of course, the uh, they had the uh, Daring Gap uh, Range Rover. Daring Gap Range Rover, in one of those vehicles is there. The uh, Portuguese Waiter, another cool prototype yeah. for the Portuguese military. It's yeah. kind of like a lightweight in the front and a one-ton military flatbed pickup in the back. That vehicle was actually in uh, the United States for a long time. It belonged to uh, Bill Bradford at TNTLR yeah. and... Uh, I neglected to swoop in and buy that back, which I regret because it's a super cool car, really yeah. interesting prototype vehicle. Um, what else do they have that's kind of cool and special? Um, the uh, half camel trophy, half normal discovery. Uh, oh, yeah. The like mm-hmm. demonstrator vehicle. I think they call it the schizo uh, or something like that. And it, uh, it has its B pillar removed. So it looks like a sort of car brochure. And in fact, that car is a featured normal car side. So not camel trophy car, but a normal car side out on uh, the the current, which just came out actually, the current Dunsfold calendar. 
um, mm. is that uh, that car's on the cover. Uh, yeah, it's a, just a really insane car in that they, you know, sort of drew a line down the absolute middle of the car from the front bumper to the rear door, and they camel trophied half of it, and then they left the other half uh, as a normal discovery. So it's kind pretty, of neat. some pretty interesting details, like a husky super winch cut in half, cut in and half. Uh, yeah, yeah, some really brown uh, church rack, all of that stuff cut down the middle of the camel trophy plaque uh, on the on the rack, everything everything uh, cleaved down the middle, and then on the back door only half a discovery uh, tire cover which i thought was kind of funny they have sort of half of the tire cover but it's done intentionally whereas i think most people have that because it's broken in half at some point during ownership <laughs> they've tried to change the tire and in trying to get that thing off it simply snaps into two pieces so this one i believe was done intentionally so yeah some really neat cars along with um you know more unusual uh, variants of standard models you know 107 wagons and pickup trucks and you yeah. know uh, uh series ones and series twos oh uh, the baggage handler series two pickup truck oh, yeah, was a cool. pretty neat pto yeah. powered baggage handler yeah i was uh you know fantasizing about filling up someone's upper story of their house with uh you know whatever whatever sand ducks doesn't matter whatever you want yeah fill fill someone's house with ducks you know why not the um the uh the trans africa uh 101 uh forward control with the powered uh, trailers super cool shepherds 101 yeah the tom shepherd 101 i really like that car that's super neat oh as well as mini fire trucks and ambulances and police cars and what have you uh plenty of those sort of sort of things six-wheel drive cars a number of different types of six-wheel drive cars i mean just you literally can't fathom and i think we saw about half of the total amount of cars that Phil has in his collection. I think he said he has somewhere in the neighborhood of about 140 um, cars in his collection and uh, in an entire day basically spent there. We were really only able to see uh, about half of them and it really is spectacular. Now, something Phil is working on that that we are uh, huge supporters of and I think is a very noble cause is making the Dunsfold collection into a real honest private museum so that you'll be able to make an appointment with our good friend Phil and and go for a tour of some of these amazing vehicles. Uh, his plan is to make a rotating uh, exhibit uh, in his property uh, there in Dunsfold and to be able to see some of these incredible cars uh, on an appointment basis. But to do that, Phil is going to need your help. That's true. Yeah. Uh, Phil and uh, company have for a long time been uh, uh, suppliers of uh, Land Rover restoration parts and uh, also a workshop for doing Land Rover restorations. And Phil uh, is is retiring from that and he's, uh, you know, wants to um, transition from doing that work to you know, having a permanent display, permanent museum uh, to display these cars. And so in an effort to do that, he's selling off a lot of his inventory. So you can you can bid on that stuff online. You can uh, join the Dunsfold uh, membership. I think yeah. they have like a newsletter and uh, calendars and so forth. Really nice newsletter. Yeah, good, good swag in the, in the shop. I definitely suggest getting the calendar. That's a really cool way. And you can go to the Dunsfold website, which is just dunsfoldcollection.co.uk and look at all the pictures and little write-ups of each one of the cars. They're pretty active on social media. They've got some cool stuff on social media. Um, and you can also donate there. There's uh, sponsorships. There's You can get into different tiers. You can make a one-time donation, a recurring donation, all kinds of all kinds of stuff. So it's definitely worth heading over there because uh, it's really neat. I think it's unique in the world to have this, the, the mass of uh, freelanders that, that um, <laughs> Phil owns, um, but also the desire to not simply 
simply squirrel them all away in a shed, but to share them with everybody. He wants people to yeah. come and look at these cars, and he wants Very, them to look at them in a you know clean and uh, you know wonderfully prepared and displayed beautifully inside of uh, you know a building where you can go and really appreciate it. Uh, and and I think that's I think that's amazing. Yeah, uh, certainly generous with his time and knowledge uh, with uh, countless generations of because uh, he's really old. Uh, countless <laughs> generations of uh, enthusiasts. No, he really has been a staple of the Land Rover yeah. community for a long time. And, uh, you know, we've done some trips with Phil to Australia and hopefully a trip uh, in yeah. the not too distant future here to the U.S. Um, and he's a super great guy. And uh, whatever you can do to support his efforts, if you're a Land Rover enthusiast, he really has been part of the community for a long time. Yep, a good friend, good friend of the show, good friend of the brand. So, uh, yeah, head on over to uh, dunsfoldcollection.co.uk and uh, at the very least, just check out all the cars. It's amazing. And uh, hopefully you'll uh, you'll leave something behind uh, for Phil that isn't a negative review. <laughs> We're going to take a very quick break to hear from this sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13. And now back to the show. Let's uh, let's do the uh, rover faux pas. What's your what's your rover faux pas today, uh, Ike? Or as I like to call it, the what grinds Ike's gears? Uh, yeah, as things I uh, hate. Yeah, whereas uh, Ike likes to be both of those grumpy old Muppets uh, that sit up in the balcony. <laughs> Statler and, and Waldorf. Yeah, both he is both the Statler and Waldorf of uh, of the <laughs> Land Rover community telling you that uh, that shouldn't be painted or that that bolt is the wrong thread pitch for that particular part. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, what is the... Uh, so what's what's grinding your gears today, Ike? Uh, you know, mostly it's wheels on Land Rovers. The just wheels, they're terrible. <laughs> That's the, really the problem they're with ter- Land Rovers. If they just didn't have wheels, wheels. There's wheels. They just keep getting bigger and dumber and have more holes in them like more negative space and uh more chromier and Mm -hmm. uh more more futuristic you know pretty Mm -hmm. soon there's not gonna be a wheel left it's just gonna be a it's gonna be a hover pod thing (laughs) that's the way it's going that's how it's it's the there's also (laughs) so little tire at this point it's a strip of uh of ceiling rubber around the outside of a mag so any wheel with holes in it, I'm not a fan of it. Oh, wow. just, Jeez, that's a bold don't. statement. It is. That's it a is. Bold and, and and you know, some people will probably those uh those yeah, the people holes. that are they'll <laughs> shut up. Yeah, there are. They're the little the little thin holes yeah, the, around the inside. Those are slots. Those are slots. Oh, I see. Slots holes. are okay. Yeah, you uh. can you can have some slots, but no I, I think okay, uh, we're referring right, to the slots around the perimeter of a series land over wheel. Yeah. They're virtually they're virtually indistinguishable. They're almost not they're there, almost not but they there. are there. No. They are there, and it's a great way to just you know rust will just blow out through those little slots to make your to make sure that even though there's no holes in your in your wheels, they're still dirty. So. I like a ste- a plain steel wheel. You yeah. know, it, it, what do you think it, of the new Defender steel wheels? Are you uh, are you an advocate for the new steel wheel on the Defender? Or too no? many holes. Oh, there's too many holes. <laughs> too many holes. <laughs> Got a lot of holes in those wheels. I there mean, are a lot of holes. I like that they offer a steel wheel, but yeah. uh, there's too many holes in them. It's a little hard to get the steel wheels. You put the uh, steel wheel on that car on the configurator online, and like almost anything you do 
deletes the steel wheels. So like, you know, you add like, uh, you know, interior accent lighting and all of a sudden the steel wheels are gone. Steel like wheels they are gone. pop off that car quicker than any any other option you can do. And, and, and they they have like a standard, what, 32-inch alloy or something yeah. like that? They're it's a 75-inch alloy. Huge. Alloy. Yeah. Huge. Yeah. And the profile of the tire. See, this is one of the things I hate about that. It's an eighth of an inch Yeah, the tire, the, tire yeah. the rubber part of the wheel is is just so small. Like the yeah. tire itself, the, the sidewall profile, it becomes so small that you you can't ever like air it down or take it off road or or do anything with it. It it becomes like a, an afterthought. It's just a belting around the outside of the wheel. It's, it's true. It's, it's terrible. True. Yeah, it's terrible. It's, it's true. But uh, what do you what do you think if you had to uh, choose? Do you like the American uh, fifteen inch uh, slotted steel wheel, if you will, uh, on the series cars, or, or I, do you switch them all to sixteens? I don't hate the 15 inch wheel that was used on uh, American series wheels in the in the 60s and, yeah. and 70s, but the tire selection for those wheels has diminished over time. Yeah. You know, the original reason for using those wheels was oh, there's there's more 15 inch sizes available in this market, so yeah. we're going to add those wheels. They were also available in other markets, most notably those markets that had a lot of sand. So you see some yeah. of those in the the Middle Eastern countries as well. Yeah. A lot of those folks like to buy the 15-inch wheels from me, so I've sent dozens and dozens of sets over to UAE and Oman yep. and Jordan and places like that. But, um, you know, I think the, the the sizes available for the 15-inch wheels have diminished. And I, I like a tall, skinny tire on a Land Rover. It looks pretty good. I like a wheel that, that does kind of push the tire out towards the edge mm-hmm. of the body mm-hmm. for two reasons. One, it makes the vehicle more stable and two, it gives you a little bit more room to turn those tires. Yeah. yeah that's you know, right. some of the real early rims, which they look cute, you know, but they're, if you try to put a tall skinny tire on there, you know, you're going to run into the chassis, you're going to run into the springs. And so you're not going to yeah. be able to turn it. And Land Rover's being renowned for their, their nimble, tight turning radiuses. Oh, that's yeah. legendarily, especially a 109 inch car, uh, you know, legendarily two block wide turning radius. Somehow, yeah. somehow the 109 yeah. series two has like a, a, a bigger turning circle than a Defender 130. <laughs> yeah, you know my my uh, my my uh, 109 V8. I was in a cul-de-sac the other day, and I had to do a three-point turn. Like it, it doesn't make. I mean, it was a large cul-de-sac, and still couldn't couldn't quite make it around. Couldn't, just too couldn't. It, it's couldn't pretty it. terrible. So couldn't anytime you can in, you decrease the turning yeah. radius, I, I sure do like that. So so my favorite wheel is the A and R fifteen thirty four, which yeah, was used on the NAS one tens, and it was used mm-hmm. on some some one uh, thirties and these sorts of things. It's a it's a heavy duty wheel. It's yep. uh, you know gives it that really nice appearance, but they're. They're getting pretty desirable, those wheels. It has the same offset as the uh, Wolf uh, rim, but, of course, the Wolf rim. No, no it's just wider. It. Yeah, there's wider. holes in it. It's a little bit wider. A little bit A little bit, little bit, little bit more offset than the Wolf but, rim. Uh, the Wolf rim, too many holes. holes. Too many too, holes, yeah. too, too decorative, that Wolf rim. <laughs> you know, this looks looks too sissy. Too, well, they too... would say that those holes are in there so that you can uh, use it as a uh, as a lifting point on the tire so you can pull the tire up out of the mud or whatever and uh, shove would a say that? traction mac under it. I believe the, the, the military, general I militaries, so. I think well, that's I what think they're so. there for. No. Maybe they're just there to look cute. I don't know. They're, they're 
they're there to look cute. People that so they weigh those, slightly less than a thousand pounds per. They're ridiculous. Per People put those wolf rims on stuff. It's too too froofy for me. Wow. And the the uh, the alloy wheels. Don't get me started on the alloy wheels. Sawtooth wheels. It looks like it came off a yeah, Klingon battle cruiser. Yeah. People love those sawtooth. How do you wheels. like the Royce style wheels? The raw style wheels. Raw style. The Rasta. How do you like Rasta wheels? Rasta like wheels. wheels that are- I actually have a, a, a cute little fact about row style wheels. They're oh, really? called they're called row style wheels because they were designed by Rubri Owen or yeah. RO. So they were RO style wheels. And they were used on the um let's see, the early Range Rovers yeah. and most and famously probably the early nineties, but not the one ten. Never the one ten, no, that's right. Because they suck. They're weak and they break. And uh, they were they were like, oh, we can't use them on the 110 because they're not start strong enough. They're gonna break. Yeah, they're gonna they're break. Gonna there break. are remanufactured. There's new new style ones that are that are actually strong, but the original ones are terrible. They're, they they're look super okay. cool though. They look they're super pretty cool. interesting. They don't yeah, have as many cool. holes, but they're kind of they're yeah, kind of busy. Say, there's not a lot of holes in that. What do you have? What, what's your problem with that wheel? There's almost no holes in it. Too I don't think styling. there's there's sl- there's slots. Style. It's the style. You just see like the, the styling department has ruined everything at Land Rover throughout history. If you look <laughs> at it, it, you know the series one is really amazing, right? Yeah, and it has these like no nice nice little curves at the bottoms of the fenders. Yeah. Uh-huh. Nice little curves, and then the series two, it gets all dangly and jowly with these sills hanging down you know and these like the little things behind the wheels those little Mm -hmm. things that hang Mm -hmm. down that's Mm -hmm. ridiculous it's just Mm -hmm. stuff that's going to run into things yeah you know and it's the the really the series two is really where it starts to go downhill it's really downhill from there and that (laughs) my friends has been another installment of ike telling you to get off of his lawn So without further ado, uh, a tip-top tool tip, uh, Ike. We, we each have one. I, uh, I'm i a big fan of yours because I think that uh, not a lot of people know the correct use of this crazy— A lot of people crazy, like my tool. Uh, a lot of people like your tool. I think people true. have said, you know. It's, it's true. It's, you know, in this case, it's— uh, A lot of listener comments it, about it's that. It's noisy and, uh, you know, sort of <laughs> abrasive. Um, and I don't think a lot of people use it correctly. Uh, but when you figure out how to use it, it can be uh, very satisfying. It's true. It's true. No. Well, you definitely need hearing protection when you're using this tool. No it question. Is, uh, it is called a needle scaler. And yeah. the it's needle- the loudest tool. It's almost like you went out of your way to create the loudest tool in the world. It's true. And somebody's like, you know what we need? Here, I got it. This is it. Nothing could be louder than this. For those of you unfamiliar with the needle scaler, it, it uses a series of pins that are mm-hmm. trapped inside of a pneumatic air hammer, basically. Yep. Yep. And uh, it oscillates at a very high frequency, and mm-hmm. the little needles bounce back and forth and so when you hold it in your hand you push push the trigger it just makes a god-awful racket but that racket is nothing compared to when you touch this tool to your workpiece it gets even louder oh my god it gets even louder you really uh, become the bane of the workshop if everyone else is working in there or anyone else i mean specifically the chassis because it works really good to descale chassis and of course that's a big empty tube that you're now smashing with tiny little rods whoo it's true. It's true. Yeah. So the, this tool is most frequently used to descale or de-rust, uh, I, you know, areas of the chassis or the axles that are, you know, hard to get to. You know, so yeah. you can't always get a wire brush on an angle grinder. You can't always mm-hmm. get an abrasive wheel. You can't always get a tool. But then the needle scaler, it's it's pretty fine in terms of its mm-hmm. application. Mm-hmm. You can mm-hmm. really get into some nooks and crannies with the needle scaler and clean. Uh, paint, rust, you know, scale, all those sorts of things off the chassis and leave it bare metal depending yeah. on how 
firmly you apply this tool yeah. to the chassis. Another couple of things which it's used for, but not as well known for, is um, is for uh, stress relieving welds. So one of the things that people use it for is when you when you weld something, yeah. MIG, TIG, whatever, the the weld has a tendency to pull on yep. the parent materials yep. and, and and put tension on those materials. And so frequently when you um, when you de-stress those welds, you you might use a punch and a hammer mm-hmm. or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. a needle scaler is a much faster way to do that. And you can ping those welds with that needle scaler and and uh, you know, release or relieve that tension on your workpiece. And so that's something that's used for that, that not everyone knows is Mm -hmm. a, is a good thing for that, Mm -hmm. but it certainly speeds up that process. If you're doing some welding, the other thing I like it for is like, if you're doing a lot of cast aluminum welding Mm -hmm. and, and we do a lot of that at the shop, we're repairing these old castings and that sort of thing. If you then go over your workpiece after you're finished with your repair with the needle scaler, you can re achieve that cast texture Mm. in in that piece oh yeah and so it it's really useful in in a lot of like welding applications as well as you know cleaning and de-rusting parts that's a really good uh, point it also works good to vibrate crap if you uh if you just put it (laughs) near something it will vibrate the shit out of whatever it's near so if you just need to shake something really aggressively like with a really like a really firm hand. Yeah. So the 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 one that I've been uh, using here over the past week is uh you know those hard to evacuate uh coolant systems like like maybe in your uh in your 80 inch or even worse in your uh 3.x liter uh or 4 liter uh Buick derived uh Land Rover V8s. Um there are some impossibly weird back and forth angled coolant channels inside the heaters. If you have an underseat heater in the NAS uh, in the NAS uh, defenders, getting new coolant in and out of there is a is a nightmare. Uh, there's a, a a tool we lovingly call the coolant sucker. I'm not 100 percent sure what the actual name of this tool is, but essentially you attach it to the uh, radiator, uh, you know, fill uh, area of the radiator. You make sure you block off, and it's super important to do that. Uh, block off, pinch off the uh, overflow hose, the uh, the emergency evacuation uh, hose from your radiator if, if you're equipped with one. Um, and it pulls a vacuum on the entire coolant system. It will drain whatever coolant is left in, in tiny little crevices way back behind a thermostat or something somewhere. It will suck out all that coolant and it will pull a vacuum, a pretty heavy vacuum, on the entire coolant system. And you can then just let it sit there and see if your coolant system holds vacuum. Because if it holds vacuum, it's certainly going to hold the pressure of uh, your coolant system with fluid in it under pressure because it's not actually a huge amount of uh, pressure that your coolant system runs under. And so really great way to find leaks because you can hear it hissing, trying to find uh, a little leak in the coolant system. Um, And then you can just switch out the little hose, the the vacuum hose you can switch out for a coolant uh, sucker uh, hose. Stick your little coolant hose into a... uh, into a bottle of fresh coolant and the vacuum that is already present in your whole cooling system will suck all that coolant back into your cooling system, getting that coolant into all those super hard to reach places, especially as anybody who has, uh, specifically the 3.9 liter uh, Rover V8, uh, both from the uh, the V8 Series 3s, the Range Rovers, and the Defenders, um, getting coolant into all those spots so you don't have any little air pockets uh, in there is no easy feat. And this makes it actually sort of tolerable 
you still have to do a little bit of uh, milking of uh, coolant hoses and things to make sure you're getting coolant, you know, massaged all the way through the system. But works pretty I good. I think this this is going off the rails. No oh, personal yeah. use of the coolant sucker. <laughs> it's for business purposes only. It's true. No, it's true. Uh, no, no after hours checkouts on the uh, coolant sucker. But no, it's really cool. It's I, I don't. Yeah. I heard that there are possibly some new items in the underpowered hour store, or possibly oh, coming to the right underpowered you hour are, store. Ike, just in time for the holidays our first uh, new round of uh, of new items in uh, the the store the first uh, being a uh, 100 mil by 140 mil 30 page uh, mini notebook so you can keep uh, track of all of the things you need to fix on your series land rover uh, while driving it around it's not really enough pages for yeah, that yeah 30 is not enough, <laughs> 30 is not enough. <laughs> um, and it has a very subtle uh, underpowered hour logo on the cover so uh, when friends pointed out you can simply claim that you didn't know it was there um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, great makes a great gift again for for someone you're not super fond of, uh, I suppose. Uh, and those those are available in the store. We also have uh, underpowered hour coasters. These are uh, handmade by a machine, um, and uh, they have our underpowered hour logo as well as the underpowered rover um, on uh, a set of four coasters. So you get two logoed coasters, and if you want to pretend that you don't listen to the show, which I know is a big ask for most people, um, as they listen secretly in the dark by themselves at night. It's really a a guilty pleasure, and we should note that uh, all of these will be delivered to your place of business or home in a nondescript brown paper. Paper package so that no one will know. No one will ever know. No yeah. one will ever know. Only only you and your doctor know for sure. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, and 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 so you'll get the the coasters if you'd like. They've got a, a felt back on them, and uh, they are sealed. Uh, and they'll keep uh, you know little coaster rings off of your coffee table or your Land Rover's fender or your your uh, you know your driving buddy, whatever. They're uh, they're a nice keepsake, a nice gift again for someone that uh, you know maybe got you something real crappy last year, and you want to return the favor. A great, uh, great way. And of course, some stickers left. I mean, man, you know, we joke about the stickers. I don't know if people know if we're serious about the stickers. Like, they really are selling out. Uh, we're going to do some special T-shirts for Christmas. Sure. We're going to do some uh, uh, some special uh, Christmas, uh, very limited run Christmas stuff. So Christmas stay cards. tuned. Christmas cards uh, and uh, that Ike will deliver uh, sure. to your home. Uh, he uh, he doesn't fit through your chimney, so he's just going to break in through the uh, <laughs> the closest window that he can find um, and deliver. And those. use a land. Of a baggage handler to fill your house with, <laughs> with uh, yeah. you know, old yeah. brake shoes and clutch plates yeah, whatever and whatever you want, whatever, whatever you, want, you want, you know. Well, no, I mean it's whatever you don't want, really. It's whatever Ike doesn't want, but um, yeah, no, it's really a great keepsake gift to all those Land Rover uh, enthusiasts in your uh, in your town, village, uh, uh, or what have you. So, uh, Ike, I uh, I think that's it for this week. It's been uh, yet again uh, another another great uh, week. Next week uh, we will definitely do a little bit more deep diving. Uh, I think in the future, we're going to have a couple of our uh, of our visitees uh, that we visited uh, on the show to talk about uh, talk about their stuff. And uh, although, unfortunately, we ran out of time again this week, uh, next week we are going to talk about uh, Nando's. So uh, we will get to that, we promise, uh, next week. I know it's been uh, hotly requested, but uh, just ran out of time this week. So uh, next week, uh, Ike's review of Nando's. So until then, Ike, it's been... Uh, <laughs> Uh, it's been a great show, and uh, I'll see you next week. All right, Stephen. Looking forward to it. Take care. The 
Underpowered Hour is produced by me, Steve Barris, and Ike Goss. Pavel Svartov composed and performed our theme music. Consider supporting the show on Patreon, and if you already do, thank you. Your support makes the show possible. For even more, check out our Instagram or Facebook. <laughs>